0: Thank you for being here today. Mother's Day, I want to speak to you about, uh, about a mother, about Mary, uh, but I also want, as we look at a, a little bit of a character study of Mary, I want us to continue to look in the book of Acts. We're in a series from the book of Acts, uh, started uh, four weeks ago. Um, uh, the amazing book that continues the story of the, of the ministry of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus, and uh, how he Uh, uh, brought such new life to our world and we have eternal life through him there's so many great stories um, from the book of acts and uh, uh, great teaching a great look at history the early days of the church in some ways the book of acts is a book of new beginnings and it is in some ways but it's really a continuation of the plan of god and especially uh, in the book of Acts, the continuation of who Jesus is, it's not a break from learning about Jesus, but it just continues to deepen as in the early church, uh, the most important thing for them to do is to spread the story of Jesus. That's what the apostles were called to do. That's what the Great Commission is, and uh, it's a great book. It's a book of the, the, the growth of the Christian faith. Uh, The power and the excitement that we read in the early chapters of of Acts are are fun, they're interesting, but they also speak to us about the power of God and the heart of man and uh, can enliven in us things that God would say to us and and speak to us. We've been talking about 28 chapters, 28 days in the book of Acts, and I challenge our church family to spend this month of May, uh, as you have time and are able to, and just refreshing again, listening to God's heart from the book of Acts. And I hope you are able to do that, been able to do that, we will continue to be able to do that. I'm focusing on this sermon series on the first eight chapters and the story, some of the stories from uh, these great chapters of the early church. Um, we've looked at one of the foundational themes. We've talked about how important the teaching of Jesus is in the early church and And when we read who the early church was, first they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the the continuation of the ministry of Jesus and how important it is for our church today in 2017 that we are focused on who Jesus is and hearing his heart, hearing his spirit. And when I read the book of Acts, we just hear more and more about the faith of the early church and how they were so connected To knowing who Jesus was and wanting to teach that. And the role, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit was to teach them what Jesus had already told them and bring it to life. And so, as we look through the book of Acts and these especially first eight chapters, we're going to be reminded over and over again about how in the book of Acts they are looking to explain who Jesus is and, and the power of that in the early church. It was powerful as the teaching of Jesus uh, uh, moved around Jerusalem first and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth how how the spread of the gospel was the spread of the the story of Jesus not only what he taught and what he said and who he was but that he came to forgive sins and uh, to bring salvation to the world and so we celebrate that and the mission of the church we also celebrate the role of the holy spirit and and we're going to look more two weeks from today. Next week, Penview Choir will be here. And then the following week, Lord willing, as we turn to chapter 2 and look at the story of Pentecost and the role of the Holy Spirit in the church today. I'd like to read this morning from the first chapter. I've read, uh, we've read for the last few weeks, and I want to continue to read in the first chapter. And I want to just uh, uh, highlight a few things that we haven't yet and then to move into a, a little bit of a study of mary the mother of jesus and some things we learn about her not only in the book of acts but earlier in the gospels um in the first chapter of uh in the first chapter of acts luke the author starts us off by describing the 40 days of jesus between jesus resurrection and ascension just little glimpses what did jesus do then what was he teaching the kingdom of god why was it important and then by the time we get to the end of chapter 1, we're in the upper room, the gathering place where Jesus had told his uh, disciples to go and to wait on the Holy Spirit. And so if you have your Bible and you want to read with me, look at uh, Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read, begin reading in verse 4. And listen, if you would, first to, to Jesus' words about the importance of waiting, uh, waiting. Chapter 4, Acts Chapter 1, verse 4, Acts. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Waiting, watching, anticipating, praying as Jesus had called them to do. They were in the upper room. We think about the end of this section of the Scripture. We're at that place of waiting, waiting on God. It was necessary, Jesus said, to wait. We know why in this case Jesus said wait for something that the Father is going to send to you, the Holy Spirit. So when I read this chapter and I read the words wait in the end of the last chapter of Luke, also I'm reminded of how important the waiting was in the early church. How important the waiting on the movement of God, the waiting on the Holy Spirit was so important. Jesus was with them 40 days. And at least twice we read the account of Jesus said to them, maybe he said it many times, I don't know, but he told them the next thing I want you to do is wait. He wanted them to wait. So they did wait. They were waiting. They were listening. Listening is so important to God's Spirit. We're in a different day than the day that we read in Acts chapter 1 for God's already poured out his Holy Spirit and we don't need to pray that the Holy Spirit would come. We need to pray that our hearts are sensitive and tuned to God. they are singing that last song that we sang a little bit ago, Lord, be glorified in my life, in my hands, in my tongue, in my church, in my family. And I think how each one of us have the opportunity to have that prayer in our hearts and say, God, be glorified in my life. And one of the ways we do that is that we listen and we wait on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so important to the church. As we look to these stories about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, I just want to say how important it is to us to by faith accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and also understand how important the Holy Spirit is to your life. How important the Holy Spirit is for you to discern what God wants for your life for the Holy Spirit to help you with situations in your life when you might not know the answer. You don't know what to do. Maybe situations that are difficult. God gives us a great gift of the Holy Spirit. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. But we had the privilege and opportunity in 2017 to know that the Holy Spirit is already here. And every believer, the Bible says, when you become a believer and you accept the Lord Jesus, God gives you the Holy Spirit but it's up to you to listen. It's up to you to tune in. It's up up to you to say, God, I ask that the Holy Spirit would help me with my life, with my decisions, with my problems, with my direction, with my relationships. The Holy Spirit is so important to who you are in Christ. The Holy Spirit is important to you when you're young. You have questions. You wonder, is God real? How does God relate to me? What does God want for my life? Young people listening to that Holy Spirit is so important. And every person today, no matter how young you are, don't take for granted the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is so important. And uh, as we move on in Acts, we're going to see how important the Holy Spirit was to the early church. Verse 8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and at the ends of the earth. Jesus said, when you have the Holy Spirit, when that Holy Spirit is working in your heart and your life, number one, uh, he'll be with you. He will be in you, and you'll know his presence, but also you will be a witness because people will be able to see the power of God in your life. When you are walking in fellowship and hunger of the Holy Spirit... He will help you to be a witness in your life. He will help you with your life decisions, but also you'll you'll have a light that shines. That's that's not just the suggestion of Jesus. He's saying that's the way it is. When the Holy Spirit's in your life, you're walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. That's the plan for the church. That wasn't just the plan for the day of Pentecost. That's the plan for our church today, that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit We will walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We will be hungry and thirsty for the Holy Spirit, for the words of Jesus, for the attitude of Jesus, for the power of Jesus. And when we're hungry for him and we're open to that Holy Spirit, we will be his witnesses. Sometimes I think maybe we're very slow in this area because we're not waiting, we're not listening enough. And so this morning as we look through some of these thoughts in Acts chapter 1, I I just want to say to you, wait on the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit. We are not able to do what the Holy Spirit can do. But when we're available, the Holy Spirit can use us and fill us and guide us to do the things that he calls us to do. I'm thankful this morning that I don't need to pray. Holy Spirit, come. I know that's theologically something. Sometimes we say and we sing songs that kind of imply that. Holy Spirit, come to our church. Come to our community. The Holy Spirit is in the lives of believers, but it's up to us to seek him and call out to him and be hungry for him, waiting on the Holy Spirit to allow him to guide us, to to show our, our trust in him, our dependence on him. That, that we need him. The Holy Spirit is so important to our lives. We have to wait and we have to listen. Well, I also want to take a moment this morning and talk about the ascension. I know, and I said to a couple people today, my sermon's like in two parts, and I don't do that very often. It's usually, this is what I'm going to preach about, but it really is today, because I, I wanted to take a couple of minutes and talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit a lot this summer, and I hope that you'll seek him. But I also want to say something about the ascension of Jesus. When you read these verses, suddenly Jesus on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, and Luke says it's just after he gives him the Great Commission, and, and all of a sudden Jesus goes up to heaven. Can you imagine the shock, the surprise? Again, the disciples baffled by what Jesus has done. I mean, they shouldn't ever be surprised. It seems like all, that, all that's happened but they're staring up to heaven. They don't really understand exactly what and why they're beginning to, and Jesus has been teaching them for 40 days and and before that I'm going to go, but God's going to send the Holy Spirit. And again, that's something else to think about the Spirit. Why did Jesus go to heaven? In part, in this mystery that we don't fully understand. It's so that the Holy Spirit would come and be with us. You think about that. Well, Jesus, why couldn't Jesus just stay on earth? In his fullness and how we see him. And yet in the, in, the, in the almighty plan of God, it was God's plan that Jesus would ascend up to heaven and be at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing there? He's interceding for the church. He's interceding for the body of Christ. Somehow, today, Jesus is praying for you and me. Now, that's a mystery. But he's in heaven, and he's praying for you and me. We're not alone. And... When he went to heaven, then he said, God will send the promised one, the Holy Spirit, and he has come. So even in the, to me, in the ascension of Jesus is the affirmation of the importance of the Holy Spirit for each one of them. And these disciples, verse 10 says, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? What are you still doing here looking into the sky? What a question to the angels, to these two men. They, they know the story. They know the plan. The disciples are not sure. They don't understand. But when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, then they'll understand and the power will be given to them. And then we have the promise of these two men dressed in white, these angels, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The promise of Jesus. The promise of Jesus that he's coming back. We know that. Just as he went to heaven, he's coming back. I think especially with the news last night of Gene's passing and these other families and others recently that are grieving in our church family, and, and, and many of you are, I come to these words, and I I have a great sense of God's peace, the promise of Jesus. We don't have to be alone. He's coming back. And he also promised us, he said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. We can hold on to that, and we can be thankful for that. This same Jesus, the two men say, this same Jesus, this same Jesus who rose from the dead, this same Jesus who powerfully forgives our sins, is watching over us. He's coming back. He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding for the saints but he's coming back. And I hope that we can hold on to that. And when we grieve, and we grieve deeply, we'll hold on to this verse and the picture that Jesus said, I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. What a beautiful promise this last verse in in this part of Acts chapter one, I believe, is. And and says to me, and says to so many others, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is coming again. He's going to come for those who fall asleep, and in the mystery of that, we don't quite understand it, but I I think of it like this. When we take our last breath, I I just imagine it like this. Jesus reaches out and takes our hand and takes us into eternity. I don't know if it's exactly like that and what we'll sense, but I just know the promises that Jesus is there. He's there for every person, and he's there for us and our in our grief as well. Jesus is coming back. Well, again, today my sermon is, is kind of broken up, which is different for me. But I also want to read the next few verses and I want to highlight something in there. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Judas. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Who do we see in the upper room? Those disciples Jesus called. Some women, some of whom he probably, Mary Magdalene, for example, and and how he changed their lives. And his brothers finally came around, you know, They, it's been a journey for them. The other women, some think, well, probably some of the apostles' wives or other women that come to faith, but we have also mentioned here Mary, the mother of Jesus. Even at the end of this part of the story, we have the faithfulness of Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm thinking this morning about other scriptures about Mary and motherhood and thinking about how can we learn from Mary's life Things that we cherish in motherhood and we celebrate in motherhood and we give thanks today for mothers and, and our families uh, And in and, and these areas. Here. here Mary is, the mother of Jesus. From the first reference of Mary in, in, in uh, really be the gospel of Luke to the last reference of Mary here in the first chapter of Acts, we see someone who is consistent, someone who is caring, Someone is obedient, someone is trusting, someone who is protective, a faithful mother. In many ways, I see little glimpses of Mary throughout the stories we see uh, that just today we give thanks for. And we're reminded of how precious motherhood is. God created motherhood and the qualities that we recognize and we celebrate and we give thanks for in mothers that God has given. Here in verse 14, they are joined together. Constantly in prayer, and there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. After all she's been through, think of her life's journey and all that she's experienced, Uh, and here she is, faithful, praying, uh, faithful to the very last reference, from the first to the last, words I would use to describe Mary, humble, trusting, present, I think of the few references we have in the, the ministry of Jesus. Mary's there consistently. How important it is mothers are there. They're there in the good times. They're, they're there in the hard times. They love when it's probably very easy to love, and they love when it's difficult to love. And I think of her spirit, her attitude, her trust in God's plan. How in the world did this, this young girl, teenager, How was she able to believe and trust in God? It's just an amazing story. Luke chapter 1 verse 38, we we see her heart. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. The angel comes and gives her this incredible, uh, we would say unbelievable news, and how can this be? I'm not married. I have no husband, and the angel gives her the message, and what is her response? What are her first words out of the heart of this woman? Of this, this heart of Mary is, "I am the Lord's servant. Uh, whatever God you want for me, I am willing to do." I think of how beautiful her example is, how beautiful the story is, just simply of Mary. Obviously, in the Christian church, there are some that that uh, hold Mary into a, a different type of position than than we might sometimes as Protestants and we think about Mary, but Mary's example is to be uh, to be heard. the The gentleness, the sweetness, the responsiveness of Mary is very special. Luke chapter one verse forty eight. Later on in that story, as she uh, she calls out, "My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior." This young teenager, likely, uh, uh, how she had such a love for God and. It it shows, and perhaps why it says that the Lord has found favor with you. She had a tender heart. I think you don't need to be an old person to have a tender heart before God. We know that. Children have tender hearts. We have some of the sweetest kids in this church, and I love them. They're precious. We have some of the most precious teenagers in this church. They love you too, but teenagers just want to say to you, you don't have to wait to think I'm going to be 20 or 25 years old and then I'm going to really have a heart that's close to God. Right now, God calls you to do that and you can do that. Mary is a young teenager. Uh, she she had a love for God and that's so real in how she lives out this calling that God gives to her. When we think about Mary and and uh, the uniqueness of Mary's story and there are so many unique things at, at Jesus I was thinking about how, of course, she was there when Jesus was announced, and then she was there at at his birth. I'm just thinking of these qualities of Mary, and one of them, Jesus was present, or Mary was present at Jesus' birth, that's obvious. Uh, Mary was present, go on to that next slide, would you, Nate? Uh, Mary was present throughout the ministry of Jesus. She was there at the beginning, the water into wine, and And at different times, we see pictures of her and the brothers and the sisters there. Present at his birth, present throughout his ministry, present at his death. I mean, there she is at the cross, uh, passionate to the end, suffering, uh, uh, present all along the way. She's present in the early church. Don't know how much or how long or what role she has after this. Church history has some thoughts to that but we know that she's here there mary had at least seven children i hadn't really thought a lot about that but four other brothers of jesus and at least two sisters and jesus mary had at least seven children there could have been a lot more of that she was a mother i mean we just think of her as a mother of jesus but she was a mother that uh, uh had many children um uh and uh she lived out that life mary was close to god she had to be close to God. She knew the prophecies. She understood something about the what was going to happen. I'm sure she didn't understand the way it was going to happen. But you think of how her knowledge of, of probably the, the law, the knowledge of the prophets. And, and, and when the angel came and said, you're going to give birth to the Son of God, she somehow was able to, okay, this is God's plan. She was able to, to hear and and say, this is God's plan, and I'm willing, and I'm I'm going to do that you you look at all these things that mary did it it was amazing And, and how she accepted god's role is amazing to me for mary she accepted the role that god had for her uh quickly whatever you say god i will do and i think of that example how important it is for us to say to god whatever you put in my heart whatever you lead to me i'm willing to do i am i am i'm your servant god and i Will do. What a precious picture! Looking at glimpses of her life, what we know, and of her character. I'm just thinking of that day when the angel came, and I think first of how she responded to the angel, and the wonder of that, and the uniqueness, the beauty of it. And then the days of waiting. I'm sure when when everybody's asking questions, she's the angel's gone, and now she's thinking, now what did what did he say? What's this going to do to me? What's this going to do my, to, my, to my husband? The questions that would be asked, I'm sure. The family, uh, the friends, the community, the people in the temple, how she handled that. How she was able to take what would have been, I'm sure, difficult, incorporate into her faith, incorporate into her belief everything that god said to mary she took into her heart and she incorporated that to her faith and then the whole story of the birth of jesus incredible every detail and uh just what we read is she says mary treasured up all these things in her heart pondered them in her heart Uh, what kind of person was mary she was a person who listened to what god said to her and uh lived it out in in her life this beautiful glimpse there were days, I'm sure, of pondering and waiting. Uh, talked about earlier how important it is to wait. You imagine how Mary had to wait and let God reveal himself over time as he did so faithfully. Uh, all these things. The humble birth. Mary treasured them up in her heart. And then, and then right after the birth, just imagine when the, the shepherds came. And, uh, you know, what is this about? And why are they here? And, and then when they went to the temple for the, the dedication I'm thinking the words of Simeon and how incredibly Mary and Joseph must have heard the words that Simeon said about him and the words of how wonderful he and then the words of pain how she would incorporate that into her faith she pondered these things in her heart and the magi came what they did and said and and then all of a sudden, we have to leave. We go to Egypt. God, what's this about? Every, everything you, you said and Egypt and Herod and the killing of the babies. She had to take in a lot of different things for her faith to be real, both the good and the bad. That's the way life is, and that's the way faith is. As we know, not everything in life just fits real well into what we want it to be. But trusting God, no matter what happens, is what faith really is saying, God, I trust you, I believe you, no matter what happens, no matter about the gifts of the Magi, or that Herod's trying to kill the baby, you're in charge, God, and I just see what we see in Mary is this life of responsiveness and faithfulness, and thinking about Mary and Jesus growing up as a little boy, you know, we wonder what was he like as a boy, you know, Uh, fully man, fully God, but imagine what it was like in the carpenter shop, and Working with his dad every day and coming home, and what did he learn and, and those things, watching him grow to see him grow into a man, to see him as a boy and teenager and and Mary just watching this 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 little guy that is from God, and at the temple, twelve years old, and what happened in that story when when Jesus was there and talking to all the the educated people and asking them questions and and then saying to Mary and Joseph, uh, I had to be about my father's business. And what that must have meant inside the mother, the mother of Jesus. And then the years that we don't really see and know anything about, the years of ministry of Jesus, when he turned the water into wine, it's, it's Mary that seems to push Jesus into ministry. It's time, Jesus. I don't know if God gave her that word or that was just mom's word and it came to her, but it's time. Do whatever he tells you. And so the ministry of Jesus begins. And she's watching, she's incorporating all these things in her faith. She had to be an incredible woman of faith, faithful, guiding, trusting, loving, uh, still, still guiding Jesus, turn the water into wine, always a mother, always a heart for what is best and right, a beautiful picture. And then as we fast forward to the end of Jesus' ministry and, and we come to the story of the crucifixion and... The picture we have of Mary, where is she? She's right there, present at the cross. Imagine the the rumbling to her faith, how she had to wonder what and why, why Jesus died after all this. Did I miss it? Do I not understand? Yet she's there, faithful. Go on to that next slide, would you please, Nate. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. There's something in those words that are beyond just the, to me, just beyond the surface. There's something there deep between mother and son, between a man who knows who his mother is, knows what she's been, and he expresses a love and a care for her, but imagine what Mary went through at the cross. It just I, we can only imagine what it was like—the pain, the sorrow, the questions. This isn't what it was supposed to be. In the good days and the bad, faithful mother, faithful Mary, and then at the resurrection. Uh, really, from the beginning to the end, from the beginning of G- of Mary to the. To the upper room, we have these glimpses and pictures of this faithful lady. We celebrate today a beautiful mother. Can we learn from Mary? Yes, we can. I think we can learn from her gentle spirit. We can learn from a spirit that took in things in life that some were good and some were bad, some were easy, and and she had God's spirit along the way. And we can pray that God will help us as mothers, as fathers, single people, as Christians, God, give us the spirit. Give us the, the attitude. Give us the humility of this beautiful person, Mary. From the beginning to the end, faithful, loving, present. Today, we celebrate our mothers. We give thanks for you. We give thanks for what God has created and pray that God will give you strength and encouragement. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the wonder and the beauty of Mary, what we read from the Scriptures about Mary's words and her thoughts and, Lord, her faith. That is a beautiful picture. I pray, God, that you would help every person that's here to that desire to have a faith that is strong in the, in the easy times of life but also in the tragic times of life. I pray that you would help us to learn. We thank you for the book of Acts. We thank you for the stories of Jesus. I thank you, God, for the presence of the Holy Spirit and pray that we, as God's people, would be waiting and hungry and seeking you. God, I pray that we would be on fire and alive to spread the gospel because it's the Holy Spirit that's alive in us and we're responsive to you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Help us, God, to be the church that you call us to be, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.